Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. 50 years ago, President Lyndon Johnson instituted welfare programs to help get Americans on their feet and back into the economy. But in 2022, are the programs still accomplishing that goal? Maybe not. A new study shows that welfare pays while working in America might not. Helping us break that down, E.J. Antoni is a research fellow for regional economics in the Center for Data Analysis at the Heritage Foundation. Great uh, piece in the New York Post uh, that is titled, It Pays Not to Work. Uh, And here's the proof. And so looking at this, uh, E.J., thanks for joining us today. And uh, give us a little snapshot. Uh, We often say here that uh, uh, we were doing really good at uh, overcoming poverty in the country until uh, President Johnson declared a war on it and uh, government got into the middle of it. Well, thank you for having me. But that, that's exactly right. If you look at poverty rates, they were already falling before we had the introduction of the so-called Great Society. And then after all these welfare measures were implemented, what happened? Poverty still continued to fall, but at a slower rate. And then eventually it just flatlined. And so we have spent well over a trillion dollars to not even budge the needle when it comes to poverty rates. Mm. Wow. And so as you look at that, uh, in your analysis, what is it that you saw in terms of kind of the patterns uh, and where we are? And then then we'll get to how do we actually start changing the game when it comes to poverty? Well, one of the things that we found in our analysis was that many of these programs, which are allegedly supposed to be a hand up to people with lower incomes or no incomes, are in fact instead a handout to many people who are in the middle class or in the upper incomes even. For example, Obamacare subsidies, those health care subsidies are available to most people in the country making over half a million dollars a year. I mean, that is absolutely ridiculous why those people can't afford their own health insurance. Yeah, and so interesting. Uh, I think in many of these uh, cases and many of these programs, we know there's a, a lot of duplicative programs that are out there, overlapping programs. We know there are some that have never been measured in terms of outcomes and results. Uh, and and then we also know that there is also this this trap. And I, I've been dying to ask you about this in terms of, uh, I always talked about in terms of a, of a glide path out. Uh, but for some people, uh, there's sort of that cliff of they maybe they did need some help early on, but then they get trapped if they become more independent, or they take that first job, or they get that first raise, uh, then suddenly their world falls apart because they lose everything else. That's exactly right. So just outside uh, here in D.C., just outside the city, we have Loudoun County, Virginia, where you can get $25,000 just in rental assistance. We're not including food stamps, which have recently been expanded. We're not including subsidies for everything from education to transportation. We're not including all of the other types of assistance. Just rental assistance alone, you can get $25,000, but you need to make almost no income. As soon as you start making just a little bit of money, guess what? That and all other kinds of assistance are going to start getting clawed back. And so you get exactly those cliff effects that you just described, where for many people, they are better off not working. Yeah, and that so penalizes those who are really trying. I remember talking to an individual uh, who had had a rough life, had lost uh, custody of his children, got his act together, got a job, uh, was able to get into a, a rental place, 
Uh, and he came in uh, so thrilled. He was doing so well at his job that his boss was going to give him a raise. And so he was like celebrating. And the, the caseworker said, you need to go back and tell your boss you can't take that. Because if you do, you're going to lose your house, which means you'll lose your kids. Uh, and, and, and just he was so crestfallen, uh, having done and worked so hard. And then suddenly it was like, no, that's going to be a really bad thing. So we disincentivize that person from getting the first job. And you can't get the second job or the raise unless you get the first job. Uh, we got to change the, the results and the measuring mechanism somehow. That's, again, that's exactly right. And so what we've done is we have created so perverse a monster where we give people an incentive to quit their job, as we're seeing right now, and get on the dole. And then to stay there, because if they get off, even if they you know, are getting that first job, as you said, and even if in the long run they're going to be better off, they are, for the short run, going to be significantly worse off. And it is incredibly hard to get people to overcome those very powerful but still perverse incentives. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought... I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, that, that is just uh, stunning. Any, anything else in, in your findings, in your study? There were some fascinating things in terms of the number of states where it, you really were better uh, to not do anything and just stay home than you were to actually try to get some upward mobility and some self-reliance. Well, you know, it's really scary. There are several states where you, New Jersey is a good example. In New Jersey, just, again, just the two programs of unemployment insurance and Obamacare subsidies, you can get the annualized equivalent of over $90,000. In other words, that's more than the median income receives, not just in wages, but benefits too. Mm. So you have many blue-collar professions where states where you can get these high unemployment benefits and these Obamacare subsidies, you have many blue-collar professions that pay just a fraction of those benefits. And so why would you go to work, again, when you can get on the dole and stay there? Yeah. Describe for us a little bit of the, the impact, obviously, coming out of the pandemic and some of the work shortages. We know, in particular, our entrepreneurs and small business owners uh, have been having a heck of a time trying to get people to come to work or come back to work. Uh, what does it look like on the horizon? What can be done there? What are you seeing in terms of uh, these struggling businesses? Well, businesses are really, really struggling because not only are they competing with one another for workers, but now they're competing with government benefits. And so businesses are being forced to raise weight, to raise wages wherever possible. But wages are just another cost of doing business. And like any other cost of doing business, it is ultimately passed on to the consumer in the form of higher prices, which is helping to fuel inflation. And on top of that, 
you have the fact that many small businesses just don't have the profit margins to absorb these cost increases. And so small businesses in particular are facing a severe labor shortage right now. Uh, I want to take in one last question, uh, EJ, before I let you go. In in your uh, analysis of all of this, uh, it it seems to me that one of the things that we are losing or have completely lost is just the value of work. Uh, I'm one of those who believes that work is a necessity uh, long after it being a physical or an economic uh, necessity. And, And so what is it that you're seeing in terms of the trends and the impact of not working on society? You know, it it is really disheartening that we are seeing an erosion of the dignity of work. People don't realize that not only does work provide you with with what you need to survive physically, and obviously that's important. We need food, we need food, we need clothing, we need shelter. But on top of that, it provides you with the dignity and the purpose to live your life. And people really, I think, underestimate the severe, the severe and negative psychological effects that not working has on people today. Such an important piece of the of the program there. E.J. Antoni, again, Research Fellow for Regional Economics in the Center for Data Analysis at the Heritage Foundation. E.J., thanks so much for joining us today. Great insight, great research, uh, and a critical conversation, uh, both in terms of the, the value of work, the necessity of work, but how we really start treating people not as liabilities to be managed, but as human beings with infinite potential uh, to become assets, contributing members to society. Uh, EJ, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. All right, again, that's EJ Antoni, and uh, really important conversation. And look, government has a role. Government has a role. So let's agree on that. Let's figure out what that is. And then let's start figuring out, is what government doing working? If it's going to do something, let's do it incredibly well. And let's get some results-based. Let's get rid of things that are duplicative. Let's get rid of those things that aren't producing results because the American people want opportunity, compassion, upward mobility. That's what they really want. Uh, We're going to go ahead and step aside for some bottom-of-the-hour news. Coming up, 2022 was a big year for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We'll review the year with Sarah Jane Weaver, editor of the Church News. Coming up next, stick around.